0: And I, I'm not talking about ghost stories like, like, you know, I, I remember a couple of years ago, um, my daughter, she was, I think she was about six years old and, and, uh, she wanted to camp out. And so we, I, I knew that if I took her anywhere, chances are she wasn't going to make it and, and she was going to want to come back. So I was like, well, I'll tell you what, let's camp out in the backyard first. And if you make it in the tent through the night in the backyard, then, you know, we'll go somewhere and we'll camp out. And so this one night, uh, I guess she had saw it on on TV or something, and we set up the tent and and we get out there and and she grabs her flashlight and she pulls it over in front of her face. She said, Daddy, I'm going to tell you a ghost story. I was like, okay, baby, go ahead. She said, Peter, James, and John were in a sailboat and a storm came. And the wind blew. And I mean, she was just getting into it and stuff. Man. And that's not the type of ghost stories that we're talking about. We're talking, we're gonna do a series and we're gonna start talking about the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. It's gonna be a three-week series, and this is what I ask is I want you to, I know there are gonna be there are different denominational lines, there are different backgrounds, there are all kinds of things represented in this room. And this is what I ask of you: take notes. Take the Scriptures that I give you. Go home and study it out for yourself. Allow God to speak to you. And listen, if you don't agree with everything that I say today, it's okay. Chances are you don't agree with everything that your wife says or everything that your husband says. But you still love them and you still live together, huh? And and so just because you may not agree on every little facet of what we say today or over the next three weeks doesn't mean that you can't be here and you got to leave the holy spirit was never meant to be a divisive subject and unfortunately we have based like all kinds of denominations and even subgroups within denominations based on the holy spirit And a lot of it just simply because we truly don't understand what the bible teaches about it and a lot of times we just take what we were always taught and never study it for ourselves so this is what I'm going to ask you to do for the next three weeks. Give me three weeks before you up and leave and say, I ain't going back there no more. That pastor's crazy. But for the next three weeks, listen to what I have to say. Write out the notes. Take, take notes and go home and study it yourself and then see what God speaks to you. Can we do that? Amen. Can we do that? Yeah. Y'all with me? Y'all? I'm not too sure. If, if y'all are with me or not, let, let's just pray and just ask God to prepare our hearts for this message this morning. Father, we come to you today, God, and Lord, we just thank you for all that you are, God. We thank you for everything that you're doing in our church, God, we thank you for your presence that is here, Father. And Lord, we just ask that you speak to us today, God, that you teach us, that you open up our minds God, that we would not just see this message through what we've been taught, but we would see this message through what it's saying and through Your Word, God. That You will bring understanding and enlightening to us today, Father. That we will know You more when we leave here today. And Lord, we give You all the honor, we give You all the praise, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, like I said, a lot of times the Holy Spirit has been a real divisive subject within the church. And, it, and, of course, the devil wants to try to make it that way because once we get into this message and we truly understand who the Holy Spirit is, and that's, that's the first thing that you got to understand is the Holy Spirit is a who. It is a him. It's not an it. A lot of times we refer to the Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit, as an "it" and, and not a person. And what we're going to talk about, I'm going to kind of give you some, I'm going to go with some basic doctrinal things, and then we're going to kind of expand from there. And, and the, the first thing is this, is that the Holy Spirit is the third part of what is called the Trinity. How many of you heard of the Trinity before? We've all heard of that. And how many of you are completely confused by the Trinity? Uh, that's right, most of us probably are, because it doesn't make a lot of sense to us. And what that is, is that we, the, the, there is one God, Everybody say one God. one God, but there's three persons. Okay? There's God the Father. Everybody's cool with God the Father. Nobody has any issues with God the Father at all because you know He's the creator of the earth and, and, and we're we're good with that. And then you got God the Son. We all love Jesus. You know, He He He's He died on the cross for us. You know, forgives us of our sin. And, and, and then when, when you say And God, the Holy Spirit, some people stand back and be like, well, wait a minute. You said God, the Holy Spirit. Yes, I did. Because the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit, that God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit are all God. That's kind of hard to understand. And y'all are like, wait a minute. It's just because he went to independence. They didn't teach him that basic math. <laughs> one plus one plus one is three, not one. But God's math and our math is completely different. Now think about this. Melody, come up here real quick. She didn't know I was going to call her up here. But I, I, I want to use this illustration because when I was thinking about this, a lot of times we understand this. You know, This is my wife. And according to the Bible, the Bible says that what? That husband and wife shall leave their father and mother, and they will come together, and the two shall become what? One. Now look, look when you look at me and her, you see two totally different people, right? But in God's eyes, we're one. You see beauty, you see the beast. You see a talented singer, you see somebody that Jamie Caron plugs his ears and runs when he hears it. You know, know, there's totally two different people here, but in God's eyes, we're one. Now, how many of you can agree with that and you can understand that and you're like, okay, I kind of get it. Okay, you can go ahead and have a seat. It's the same thing with God. Three individual people, But they form one God. In fact, in Deuteronomy, in in chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Hear ye, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is, how many gods? One God. Okay, I, I can agree with that. But here's the thing. There's, there's some wording. When you, when you read scripture, a lot of times they use different words for things there. If you look in, this, in here, it says, hear ye the Lord, the word there, Lord, is Jehovah. And that is the, the one true God. Okay, so you've got Jehovah God is our God. And that kind of sounds a little bit redundant because the God is our God. But there's a difference there. That word God is Elohim. And Elohim is a plural form of God, which doesn't mean more than one God, but it means more than one person make up the God. That's the Trinity. Y'all with me? You got it? Are you totally confused? I know this is kind of, y'all stay with me. I'm going to, I'm going to get in there a, a, a little bit more. And then throughout the scripture, you can actually see places where all three persons of the Godhead showed up at the same time. In Luke chapter 3, verse 22, this is when Jesus was being baptized. I want you to look at it. Okay. Jesus is being baptized. It says the Holy Spirit descended upon him him being jesus in bodily form like a dove so right there you've got two different people this is not jesus was god you know god the father in flesh this this three different people and this is this is important that you see that because a lot of people just think that it's three forms of god but it's not three forms of god Because in places in Scripture, you see all three of them at once. And this is one of them. So you see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. Then you see the Son being baptized. And then it says, And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son, which is God the Father, speaking in whom I am well pleased. So in this one passage, you see all three people of the Godhead. You see all three in the Trinity. Another place that you see that is in John chapter 14, verse 26. It says that I will ask in the eyes of Jesus. This is Jesus teaching on the Holy Spirit. And we're going to go to this passage here, and we're going to study this a little bit more to see what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. But it says, I, which is Jesus, will ask of the Father which is the Heavenly Father, so that's two different people, and He would give you another Helper. Okay, and and realize that word that catch that word helper, because we're going to talk about that in a minute. But that helper that it's talking about is the Holy Spirit and he may be with you forever. So this is another spot where Jesus is saying, I'm praying to the father and he's going to send the Holy Spirit. So three people, but all God. And some of y'all might, okay, well, I see all three people, but I'm still not so sure about the Holy Ghost being God. Okay, in the story of Ananias and Sapphira. How many remember that story? Acts chapter five, verse three. I want you to see this because this is a place where it'll it'll say, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to who? The Holy Spirit. Remember that. And to keep back some of the, the price of the land. Okay, verse four. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? But after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have lied not to man, but to God. Wait a minute. Just a second ago, he said, you lied to the Holy Spirit. Now he's saying you lied to God. Was Peter talking about different people? No. By lying to the Holy Spirit, he was lying to God. And that's what we have to understand is a lot of times people get spooked out by the Holy Spirit. And that's why we call it ghost stories. You know, and this is a the the kind of subtitle is a not so spooky series on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not something that is spooky or something that we are supposed to be afraid of. It is the third person in the Trinity. It is God. Some of y'all don't believe it yet. Some of y'all are still trying to figure all this Trinity stuff out. But it's God. And see, the, the thing about this is, is that uh you know i I was i've been listening to a bunch of different teachings i've been listening and reading and studying for a few weeks on this now and and i didn't just go to you know i grew up in in kind of a pentecostal church and so i i grew up with that background and 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 you know so i i know what pentecostals preach on the holy spirit and, and I also know kind of what the Baptist stuff preach on in the Holy Spirit because my wife grew up in a, in a very conservative Baptist church. So we came from completely different backgrounds, but over the course of time, God has kind of shown us that, that middle ground of what the, what, what the Holy Spirit is all about and, and who He is in our life. And uh, I was listening to this one sermon, and this pastor was—he uh, grew up in a Baptist church, and and he was getting ready to go off to seminary or cemetery or seminary or whatever it is. And and he was—I always get the two confused, but uh, he he was getting ready to to go off to sem- seminary. Uh, He's going to say cemetery, uh, but uh, he he was going to, he was going to go off, and his pastor pulled him aside and he said, "Listen, son." I want to warn you about something. Watch out for those people who talk about the Holy Ghost and about the Holy Spirit. And so he went into Bible college thinking... Man, I gotta watch out for them crazy people who s- talk about the Holy Ghost. I mean, that that you know, there's something wrong with that. You know, because they never really taught on that in their church, and you know, kind of stay away from that because of what they had seen the picture painted and 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 stuff from from other examples. But how I many you know, guys, men? If men get involved in religion and, and things like that, they're gonna mess up what God's true form of things look like. So you can't just base what what your your doctrine and your beliefs upon what you saw in somebody else's life because there are a lot of people who call themselves Christian but completely act different. You you, you ain't going to say, well, I ain't going to serve God anymore because that person said they're a Christian and they don't act like... You wouldn't do that. So don't reject the Holy Spirit just based on somebody misrepresenting the Holy Spirit. See, we, we've got to keep our minds open to to what God is saying. And you know what that pastor was literally telling him? And he said as he went on, he began to study Scripture and stuff, he began to realize that that pastor was telling him, watch out for people who talk about God. That a pastor was telling somebody, a ministerial student, watch out for people who talk about God. And he said he realized That they had missed it, and so when I when I studied all this, I listened to I listened to a Baptist preacher preach on the Holy Spirit. I listened to a Presbyterian preacher preach on the Holy Spirit. I listened to interdenomin. I listened to everybody to kind of get their views, go back, research it, study it, because I wanted to get a total context, not just from my background, but from other people's background, and see what they're teaching, and go reference the Scripture. And that's why I tell you, take these Scriptures and go do that for yourself. Be students of God's Word. Dig into it and see what God speaks to you through it. Amen? And, and so we're going to look at, at real quickly at what Jesus taught on the Holy Spirit. And we're going to turn to, to John chapter 14 and there, there's a passage here. This is right after Jesus washed His disciples' feet. This is His last meal with the disciples. And so Jesus is kind of uh, wrapping up some things and, and finalizing some teachings and, and laying some groundwork about the things that are to come. And, and so chapters 14, 15, and 16 are a lot of about the last things, and that's where Jesus really began to teach about the Holy Spirit himself. And, and it's one thing to listen to a man teach about the Holy Spirit, but how many of you, you can take what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, and you, you can live with that. So that's what we're going to look at today, is we're going to look at what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. We're going to start at verse 16 in, in uh, John chapter 14. It says, I will ask the Father, and He would give you another helper. And he may be with you forever. In verse 17, it says the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive uh, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and he abides in you. So one thing that we have to realize, you know, a lot of times we say, Jesus come into my heart, but it's not really Jesus who comes into your heart. It's the Holy Spirit that comes in your heart when you receive Christ as your Savior, then the Holy Spirit comes and moves in you and He begins to teach you and to guide you and to train you and disciple you. And and that little voice that you hear that a lot of times we write off as our conscience saying, don't do that. You know you're not supposed to do that. Don't do that. That's not our conscience. That's the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says that he convicts us of sin and he and he tells us of things and, and he and and he tries to protect us and keep us from going down that road. And so it says he is the spirit of truth. He, and and it says that, that we will know him because he lives in us. And then it skip down to verse 25. It says, These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the helper which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send. And there's another place where it's three. I'm speaking this. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father is going to send in my name, he will teach you all things and he will bring to remembrance all the things that he has said, that I have said to you. How many of you have been in a situation where somebody asks you a question and to be honest, you don't know the answer to it? But then all of a sudden, this scripture just kind of pops in your mind. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. The Bible says this. And then you kind of know the answer to it. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit bringing to remembrance the things that that, that God has taught you. You know, a lot of times people will uh, come and they'll be like, you know, Pastor Brandon, when you spoke, man, you stepped on my feet. You were, oh, I mean, it was like you were in the car with me this morning, just riding with me. No, I wasn't in the car with you. But guess who was in the car with you? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit knew the questions that were in your heart. The Holy Spirit knew the things that were going on in your life. And so a lot of times He'll even change the direction of the sermon to speak something to me, to speak something through me so that it gets to you so that you hear it. I had one person tell me the other day, they were like, you know, Pastor Brandon, you know, I came in and I listened to the nine o'clock and then I stayed around and I listened to the 11 o'clock and he said, it was two totally different sermons. You know, at the nine o'clock you were like, and the Bible says you are hard and stuff. And then the, the you know, the 11 o'clock you were just kind of, it was light and it was funny, but it was good, you know, and, and you're preaching from, did you preach from different notes? And it's the exact I said, no, I preached from the same notes. I said, the difference is, is the people that are in the room. You see, there'll be one sermon that one time I speak through the sermon and I hit on unforgiveness like crazy. And I hit that, hit that, hit that. And then the next sermon with the same notes, I hit on adultery like crazy. And it's not because I preached two different sermons. It's because the Holy Spirit knew what was going on in the room. And He guided my words and told me the things that I needed to say for that room. So let me tell you something. I am not that good of a speaker. I do not, I do not have ESP or anything like that to where I know what you, you know, your wife didn't come and set up a counseling appointment before and, and tell me what's going on in your marriage. You know, none of that stuff like that. It's the Holy Spirit who teaches Does that scare you? That the Holy Spirit knows what's going on in your life and He changes a sermon to be able to speak to the need in your life? shouldn't scare you. It should excite you that God cares that much about what you and what's going on in your life. But see, so many denominations and stuff have painted the picture of the Holy Spirit as just this one thing. That it is turned off what the Holy Spirit truly is in our lives. And, and some of us, because of our backgrounds and because we've either seen the things of the Spirit completely abused and misused and everything, we're turned off to it, or because we're, we're just kind of, we're, we're always taught that's of the devil, stay away from that stuff. You know, we're turned off to it. But the whole thing is, is that is the form of God that we have on earth with us today and no wonder the devil wants us to be afraid of it. No wonder the devil wants to cause confusion within stuff because it it, it takes us away from the very thing that empowers us to live a life free from sin, that empowers us to, to learn and to, to grow in, in, in God, that empowers us to have, have life and, and have it abundantly, to, to have that Zoe life that we talked about a couple weeks ago that comes through the Holy Spirit. And so it's no wonder that the devil wants to try to paint this cloudy picture and and make it look like something just weird and crazy and like it's this it and strange force or something. And that's not it at all. It's the third person of the Trinity. And if you look there, it said in those verses, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as a helper. And that word helper in the, in the Greek is parakletos. And I love this picture because in, in, in the Greek, the, you know, words have different meanings and stuff. And, and what that word literally means is to walk alongside. So what he says is, I am sending my Holy Spirit to walk alongside you. Come on, y'all sleeping. I just said that if you are a Christian, then the Holy Spirit of God. God Himself is walking alongside you throughout your day. So when you think that nobody sees what's going on, some of you think you're getting away with sin and stuff, uh -uh. the Holy Spirit is right there beside you. For those of you who think that you're left all alone and nobody cares about you, no. The Holy Spirit is right there beside you. For those of you who think that you can't win, that you can't conquer the sin, that you'll never be able to be different wrong the holy spirit is right there inside you and beside you to empower you to live the life that god intended for you to live so why are you afraid of him it's god it's it's here to empower us to live a life, to teach us. And it goes on in John 15. Uh, it says that, uh, well, uh, let me just, rec- I, pay- I had this picture yesterday. Of of uh, this, uh, my daughter. We went to Babcock, and we she was doing the monkey bars, and she was going across the monkey bars over and over again, and 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 she is like the monkey bar queen. I mean, that girl can fly across the monkey bars forward, backwards. I mean, I've got videos like she just flies across and then straight back, you know, not even stopping. And and but yesterday she was going across the monkey bars, and she did it a few times, and everything was good, you know, and then she went across. And she got about halfway and she slipped and she fell. And then she kind of sat back and was like, you know, okay. And I was like, come on, baby, just get up and go do it again. So she went and she started doing it again and she fell again. I was like, it's all right, baby, you can do this. Go go do it again. And she jumps up and, and the third time she goes and does it, when she reached out, she, I guess, was swinging too far and her knee came up and popped herself in the face. And she fell down. And she, from that point on, she would get to the first thing and be like, I can't. I'm afraid. I can't do this. I can't do this. And so I walked over beside her and I said, come on, baby. Daddy's right here. If you fall, I got you. And I just had my hands right there underneath her. And at first, she didn't want to do it. And so I was like, baby, God has not given you a spirit of fear. You can do this. And, and, you know, you can do all things through Christ. I'm giving her scripture and stuff. And, and, and then finally, she's like, you're going to hold me? I said, baby, I ain't going to let you go. I got you. And I held, I kind of just held her feet just a little bit lightly. And she went back across and she made it across the monkey bars again. And she jumped down and she's like, yeah, Nana, did you see that? I went across the monkey bars. And when I did that, God stopped me and He said, That's what my Holy Spirit does. When you think you can't do it, because of the past, because you fell in the past. I'm there telling you scriptures. No, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. It, who the Son has set free is free indeed. I, you know, and, and, and start painting this picture because that's what the Holy Spirit is there to do. He's like, no, you can do this. Come on. You've done it before. You did it before. Now you can do it again. Come on. I'm right here with you. I'm not leaving you. I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to help you make that change in your life. You're not on your own because that is what jesus sent the holy spirit to do was to come alongside us and to cheer us on and to bring it to, to you know encourage us and to be there when we fall and i love that picture because i know there's so many new christians that as they start walking they and they fall they feel like failures and the devil is quick to be there and be like see you ain't even saved you, you call yourself a Christian. Look at what you just did. But we need to be there and know that the Holy Spirit is also there. And we need to listen to what He says. Get up. Confess your sins. I'll cleanse you of your sins. You know, Come on, you can do it. Come on, I'm here with you. you know, and encourage us to get up and to walk. You see, the Holy Spirit also teaches us in John fifteen twenty six. It says, when the when the helper comes, I will send you uh whom I send from the Father. That is the Spirit of Truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify of me. In John 16, 7, it says, But I, I will tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, because if I don't, then the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he and 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 another passage it says, I think it's 1426. I don't have it up there, but it says that he will teach you and guide you in all truth. You know, a lot of people, when they begin to, when they, when they try to, they start coming toward God, but they haven't had that relationship with God, they read the Bible and they're like, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. I don't get it. It's like it's still written in Greek. You want to know why? Because the Spirit of God is who teaches you. And if the Spirit of God is not in you, then how are you going to understand it? You don't have anybody to guide you in the truth. But that's what the Holy Spirit comes to do, is when He comes into our life, He even enhances our relationship with God, because He starts to reveal the the Word of God to us. How many of you have ever been reading your Bible, and then all of a sudden this passage just jumps off the page, and you're like, wow! I've never saw that before. That's awesome. I love that. Hey, did you see this? And, and everybody else is like, yeah, I've read that a million times. So yeah. But you, know, you want to know why? It's the Holy Spirit that brought that to life in you. It's the Holy Spirit that taught you and opened up that meaning of that Scripture to you. And so, of course, the devil tries to, to uh, paint that picture. And another thing that we have to realize is this is that the Holy Spirit will never lead you against the Word of God. You know, that verse that says that He will testify of me. Well, what, who, is, who is me? Jesus, okay? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word came and dwelt among us, and Jesus was the Word made flesh. So that Word, when it says it, it testifies of me, it's talking about Jesus. So let me, let me just uh, and tell you something there are a lot of people who will prophesy things that go against the Word of God that are not biblical. They will tell you that God told them to do something that is not biblical. You know, people tell, well, you know, I know that... uh, that God doesn't like divorce, and that, that we're not supposed to be divorced. And I know that God doesn't, you know, uh, like for me to be living with somebody who's not my wife and stuff. But you know, God, you spoke to me and, and told me that it's okay to divorce my husband because he's never going to get saved anyway, or he's not going to act right anyway. So it's okay for me to divorce my husband. Uh-uh. The Holy Spirit will never lead you against the Word of God. Well, God knows my heart. So it's okay for us to live together, even though we're not married. No, because the Holy Spirit would never lead you against the word of God because they're on the same team. They're the same person. You know, if I make a decision, I'm not going to come back in in two seconds and somebody asks me a question and I give you a completely different answer. Another different answer, another different answer, Uh, you know, because I'm the person making the decision. That's the thing. And that's how it is with the Holy Spirit. You know, when they when the word was written out and the standards and everything, he was there from the beginning and that and, and he holds true to the word of God. And like I said earlier, you know, a lot of times people try to put the focus on one thing and lead us away from the Holy Spirit. And the devil wants to make the Holy Spirit look like it's something that is weird or something that is just crazy or or that's unattainable. And, you know, well, that's just for certain people and, 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 and all of that. But that's not true. The Bible says that, that if you are saved and you're a Christian, then the Holy Spirit is what comes into your life. Okay, so every Christian can have the Holy Spirit in their life. Now, there are denominations who have made the Holy Spirit about one thing. And they make it about the force and the power, or about tongues, or or about one focus of the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, you limit who the Holy Spirit is. You basically, in, in some people's theology, it's like this. Okay, God created the earth and made everything work. And, and Jesus died for us, so He's cool because of our sin. And, and the Holy Spirit is only there to give us the gift of tongues so that we can pray in tongues. And if you're not filled, if you don't pray in tongues, then you're not filled with the Spirit. That's not biblical at all. Because tongues is just one of the gifts of the Spirit. There's actually more evidences of the Spirit. You know, I think about somebody like Billy Graham who never spoke in tongues in his life, but who has like millions of people who came to the Lord through his ministry. i tell you what, if I had the choice in praying in tongues and winning a million people to the Lord, I would take winning a million people to the Lord. If I had the legacy of one day at my funeral, they're going to talk about what's going, what I did in my life. And, and if, if I would rather, he spoke in tongues. He, yeah, you know, <laughs> prayed in the spirit every day. Bless God. Or he was responsible for helping lead over 1 million people to the Lord. Don't look at me crazy because you do the same thing. You would want the impact spiritually. And I'm not saying that tongues are evil or tongues are bad. We're going to get to that in the third week and talk about that. So you're going to have to come back on the third week when we focus on that. But there are the Holy Spirit is more than just tongues. The Holy Spirit is more than just goosebumps. The Holy Spirit is more than just running around or swinging from a chandelier or a shout or anything like that. In fact, you can see different ways that the Holy Spirit shows up throughout the Bible. In, in, in Acts 1.8... Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to endue you with power. So that one of the ways that the Holy Spirit, uh, evidence of the Holy Spirit is that you have power and you have boldness in your life. You know, you look at at Peter who was uh, completely afraid uh, of a a little girl, but then later speaks to thousands of people. And, and, you know, and what was the difference? He got filled with the Holy Spirit. He realized that the Spirit was in him. So power of boldness is one. Another thing that is a gift of fruit of the Spirit and stuff is love. In 1 Corinthians 13, it even talks about if I, if I can speak in tongues and, and, I, and, you know, and, and I do all of these great things, if I have not love, what good does it profit me? I am nothing but a loud, clanging cymbal. There are a lot of people who speak in tongues but have no love in their life and want to say that they're full of the Spirit of God. Here's the problem with that. The Bible says that God is love. So if you're full of His Spirit, don't you think you ought to be full of His love? So tongues without love doesn't mean that you're full of Spirit. You may be full of a Spirit. (laughs) I'm not going to identify that. You can figure that one out for yourself as to what it would be. But just doing that, it doesn't prove that you're full of the Spirit. Uh, Another another thing is fruit. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Another one is the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And the gift of tongues is just one of the gifts of the Spirit. It's just an evidence. It's not the evidence. You can be filled with the Spirit of God without ever speaking in tongues. I fully believe that Billy Graham was full of the Spirit of God because how else would that many people... How, I mean, for one thing, you see all these men and women who fade away in ministry and their ministry ends in... This man for 50-some years, maybe even longer than that, Stayed faithful and stayed strong and made an impact around the world. You can't tell me he wasn't filled with the Spirit of God. Now, I know some people from a charismatic background may be kind of mad at me from this, this, this thing, but God's a scripture. See, this message is going to pull on both sides. You got people who think, oh, no, I ain't so sure about that Holy Spirit thing. I, you know, you got to stay away from people who talk about Holy Spirit. And you got people who think that all there is is the Holy Spirit. And, and that's it. And, 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 you know, I had a Bible college professor who explained it this way. And I love this explanation because he said, you know, it's kind of like communion. And you take communion, you got the, you got the bread and you got the wine. And the bread represents the Word of God, you know uh you know no man can live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God and Jesus said he was the bread of life and you know in the bible the 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 wine is evident of the 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 anointing and' it's symbolic for the Holy Spirit and so basically when you're in communion, you kind of got two elements in a way and and this is symbolically I'm not saying that the bread the bread represents Jesus' body, the wine represents Jesus' blood. I'm not preaching heresy, this is symbolic, okay. So understand that. So if you take and you just eat a bunch of crackers or you eat a bunch of bread, what's going to happen over time? Your your mouth is going to start to kind of dry out and and you're going to kind of be kind of dry and you you, you want something to drink, right? But if you if that's all you do, you you dry out. If if all you do is drink the wine, <laughs> Y'all know that one. What what, what you going to do? You're going to be a little bit loopy. You're going to be a little bit crazy, stumbling all over yourself and be drunk and be a mess. You see, if all you have is just a Word of God without the Spirit of God, then it's dry, and people don't get anything from it. But if all you have is the Spirit of God, then you get drunk and you do stuff that completely misrepresents. And I have seen people and been part of churches where they get so much of the Spirit of God that they even begin to say things that completely go against what the Word of God says. But if you have that balance of the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and see, here's the thing is the Spirit of God will always confirm what the Word of God says. So a lot of people have a feeling oh, I feel like God's leading me to do this. Well, if he is leading you to do that, then look in the Word of God, and he will show you in the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, what you're supposed to do. Because what does Psalms 119, 105 say? The Word of God is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And it's the Holy Spirit who shines the light on the Word for us to understand it. You have to have both. Either you dry up and die, and we've all seen churches. They just dry up and die. They wither away. Everybody dies, and and that's it. And the church is dead. It's gone. Or you see people that are so crazy and drunk, and 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 just off. They they completely get off of what the word of God says, and they're just out here chasing prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. Look, if you want a word from God, let me give you two quick, easy ways to do it. The first one: pick up your Bible. What is it? It's the Word of God. If you need a Word from God, how about picking up the Word of God and open it up and see what God speaks to you. The other thing is this. Okay, God, what do I need to do? Which direction do I need to go? Give me, you know, Why? Because the Spirit of God is in you. So you have the ability to hear from God for yourself because the Spirit of God is in you. You don't have to go chasing the the next prophet or the next revival or whatever to find a word from God. You can find it through your relationship with God. I want to look at, real quick, I want to look at Acts chapter 2, because Acts chapter 2 is where a lot of people have gone. This is where they kind of, uh, the, those first few verses in Acts chapter 2 are where a lot of people base that the Holy Spirit is all about the tongues and, and everything. And I want to show you in Acts chapter 2, in the context of Acts chapter 2, that the Holy Spirit, even in Acts chapter 2, is more than just the, 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 the uh, tongues that came down. And so we're going to look at Acts 2 verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost had came and they were all together in one place. And it says suddenly there came a, a heaven a, a and suddenly came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and they appeared to them tongues of fire distributing themselves and they rested on each of them and they were filled with the spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance so this is where a lot of people kind of base that whole the whole denomination and whole belief of just the tongues thing is from this because a lot of times what they use is they think that there's a principle in in studying God's Word that is the principle of first mention. And so they look at this, and this was the first place where the Holy Spirit came down and showed up. So this is how the Holy Spirit shows up all the time. And they put God in that box. But this doesn't even fit the principle of first mention because if you look in Genesis chapter 1-1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was formless and, and void. And it says, and the spirit of God hovered above the waters. So this isn't even the the principle of first mention because this isn't the first place that the Holy Spirit was mentioned. Throughout the Old Testament, you see where the Spirit of God came upon somebody to, to complete a task and to do something. But then the Spirit of God would lift from them after they completed their task. The Spirit of God would come upon somebody to prophesy and then it would lift off. But here's the amazing thing that we have today. Because of the cross and because of the blood of Jesus, no longer do we have to have a relationship where the Spirit of God comes and leaves but the Spirit of God can dwell and walk alongside us so that every day of our life you can live in victory you don't have to just live in victory on Sunday and then Monday be beat down by the world because the same Spirit that you feel in church is with you on Monday it's with you on Tuesday it's with you every day of your life throughout the week He doesn't take a day off He is always there to empower you and that's why Jesus said it's better for me to go away So that I can send the Spirit. Because the thing about Jesus is Jesus could only be in one place at one time. When He was on earth, if He was in this room, He could not be at another church. Can you imagine that you go to church on the chance that Jesus may show up at your church that day? But thank God... That He sent His Holy Spirit. Can you, you, you get, I mean, there's what, six, seven billion people on the earth? Can you imagine if you had to wait your turn for Jesus to be with you? <laughs> Most of us would never see Him. And that's what He said, it's to your benefit that I go, so that I can send the Spirit, so that He's not just with you, but He's in you. And so you look at that and and and, and here in, in, in Acts, you see where the Holy Spirit came upon them, filled them with the Holy Spirit. But it didn't stop there. It goes on and you see Peter goes out. And in verses 14 through 21, Peter, you know, now has the boldness of the Holy Spirit. And he begins to teach and he begins to talk about, you know, this is what, th- these men aren't drunk, but this is, this is what the prophet Joel said. And you know, that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. Spirit upon all flesh, and he began to quote that. And then he goes on and he begins to quote a Psalms that David wrote. Now, what did we say about the Holy Spirit? One of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he brings boldness, right? So he brought tongues, that was good, but he brought boldness. So Peter, who you know, was, was afraid to, to uh, confess Jesus to a little girl, now can speak boldly in front of all these people. And look, he wasn't just pre- preaching this little soft message. He was like, this Jesus who you killed and you crucified. I mean, he's, he's just basically throwing the whole murder of Christ on all these thousands of people. That takes a little bit of guts. Knowing that they just killed Jesus, they ain't afraid to kill Him. But he speaks it boldly, and then he starts quoting the the scriptures and stuff and the, 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 the ancient writings. So the Spirit of God brings to His remembrance. Remember, that's what Jesus said that He would do. And right here in Acts 2, you, you see that. He, not only is there tongues, but He gives you the boldness. He brought back the, the the Scriptures and things to remembrance. And then if you skip down to verses 37, the Holy Spirit brings conviction. It says that the men were pierced to the heart and, and they heard what Peter said. And, and then they came to Him and said, brethren, what should we do? You see, that's when you know that the Spirit of God is moving. A lot of times and a lot of churches have set up the belief that the Spirit of God did not move unless there was an altar call and something drastic happened around the altars or something loud or exciting or you know, plenty of people falling out or a lot of people speaking in tongues or or something like that. They base this move of the Spirit of God only on that. But Peter preaches and he didn't give an altar call. He preaches and the people ran up to him and said, what do I got to do? And then he talked to them and he told them to repent and to be baptized. And it says that 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Can you imagine that? in one week we had 3,000 people saved in, a, in one of our services? Can you imagine? I mean, most churches, if they showed up and they had 3,000 people in their service, man, they would be excited. But 3,000 converts in one day. What made the difference? The Holy Spirit moving in Peter's life. And Aaron, if you want to come on up, I'm going to close with this. If you look farther down in verse 42... I want you to see this because I want to show you that the Spirit is so much more than just tongues or just one thing. In verse 42, it says that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. You know what that shows? That when the Spirit of God came in their life, it brought faithfulness to God they desire to spend time with God they desire to spend time in church with the church doing things fellowshipping you know one of the things that people love about this church is because they feel like there's just this family feel and you, and, and you can go and, and you have dinner with people and you just hang out and, and, and you just talk about what God's doing and you talk about what God's showing you in the word and stuff and guess what That's what happened on the day of Pentecost, was it wasn't just the loud boom, but it was the continuation of the move of the Spirit of God, bringing a unity and a peace and fellowship and faithfulness to God and faithfulness to His Word and faithfulness to prayer. You know, some of you, before you went to church, but you never picked up your Bible except for on Sunday. But now you're in the Word and it's like, oh my goodness, did you see this? And you're starting to talk. Why? Because the Spirit of God is moving in this church. And a lot of times we don't even realize it. Because we have been taught that the Spirit only moves in the tongues or in the outward demonstrations, but the Spirit of God moves in so much more. That fellowship, that unity, the faithfulness to God's Word. That's the Spirit of God moving. We've had 99 salvations in our church. That's the Spirit of God moving. Last week we baptized 24. and We baptized 80 people in our church since we started. That's the Spirit of God moving. I have had people say, well, you know, is your church spirit filled? Yes. Would well, y'all speak in tongues and run around the place? No. I mean, we don't well that ain't spirit filled yeah it is look I'll tell you the same thing I would much rather have newborn converts and marriages restored we've had three marriages that had divorce papers signed and God completely restored it why spirit of God moving We've had nine couples that were living together in sin and have since gotten married and coming together and giving their life to God. Why? The Spirit of God moving. It goes on and it says that everyone kept the sense of awe. How many of you have been like, I cannot believe we had 500 people at Easter. We had 479 people last week. We had, I mean, you, you just say some of the things that we've seen and stuff, and everybody's mouth just drops, and it's like, what? You're kidding me. We can't lose that spirit of all. It says they were in a sense of spirit of all, the signs and the wonders that were taking place through the apostles. And all of those things were believed and they had all things in common. So they had a unity about them and they began selling their possessions and, 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 and their properties and sharing all of them. Uh, with all as everyone who had needs so you see how when the spirit of God moves there's a compassion that comes there's a selflessness there's a generosity that comes look you cannot tell me the spirit of God lives in you and you're like Ebenezer Scrooge holding on to your wallet or you know you counting every penny and, and you can't give to somebody and help somebody out who's in need God helps those that help themselves. Show me that in Scripture. I'll show you where it says that if you see your brother in need and you have not compassion on him, the love of God is not in you. And how can you say that the love of God is in you? You're deceiving yourself. I can show you plenty of Scriptures like that. You see, when the Spirit of God moves, there's a generosity. I going to tell you something. I've noticed that this church, that there are a lot of people in here that are generous givers of God. And there are a lot of people that when we started, they weren't, you know, they were giving their little $2 in the offering and stuff and your know, little $5 bill. And and, and you, can, you can ask the people who count the money. We used to have a stack this big of $1 bills. And then everything else would be like this and I've noticed and, and Jenny and Pastor Aaron y'all y'all can attest to this it, it's like the one dollar bills has gotten smaller and the, check, the sack of checks has gotten bigger and stuff why? because the spirit of God has moved in people's hearts and it makes people more generous when the spirit of God moves because they see what they're given to they realize the impact in eternity and they have a heart of compassion to reach out to other people and it says day by day they continued in one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house and taking meals with gladness and sincerity of heart. They had joy in their life. How many of you have seen spirit-filled Christians or, or people who say they're spirit-filled and they, they, their lip is dragging on the ground and you ask them how they're doing? Or, well, I guess I'm all right doesn't hurt it doesn't help to complain anyway so i might as well not do it but man my back hurts and man devil's has been on me hard but you're full of the spirit of god i mean one of the fruits of the spirit is joy when you see here when they when spirit was moving they had their meals together with gladness you see joy show up with the spirit of god and then verse 47 it says praising god that's one thing when the spirit of god is moving people are not going to be afraid to raise their hands and praise god people are not going to be afraid to sing and to clap their hands and stuff why because they're exuberant they're excited about what god is doing in their life and it's amazing to see the growth of people in the church because i remember in those early days when i was up here leading and it may just been because i was up here singing and the anointing wasn't there because i was singing but I would be up here and I would sing and everybody just like... And they wouldn't even sing. they just standing, like at attention, you know, just... Or some of them, you know, hands behind their back, you know, whatever their flow was. But now I look back and I see people with their arms raised and they're as red-faced as I am yelling out to God and singing and, and tears running down their face. Why? Because the Spirit of God is moving in their life. We cannot be afraid of the Holy Spirit and what He's doing. And then it goes on and it says, And they had favor with all people. Guys, I'm in the middle of of doing a land deal with somebody. Let me tell you about that. I'll just tell you one thing that happened this week. We're close to a land on deal. Praise God. We, 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 a deal on land. Let me get that right. Say that backwards. We're close to being able to, to do that. And they have agreed to donate some land. They have agreed to come down on price. They have agreed to a lot of things that have made this deal. Rob, you were in there when I was talking to the man. He just, the deal just kept getting better and better as we went on because he was getting more and more fired up about what God's doing in our church. And then he even said, you know, he told us he was going to get with his architect. Well, I met with him again this week. And he said, man, I, I forgot to get with my architect, but I'm going to get with him. Well, as soon as I leave, guess who shows up at the at the place where that guy works? The architect. Just happened to come in his office. You know how those happen through things. No, it's the spirit of God moving things. And so I get this phone call and I'm on the phone with them and they ask him, it's like, well, what would be your, your fees? And he was like, oh, it's going to be about hundred twenty five hundred fifty thousand dollars you know, with that size of project, that size of building and everything. And, you know, percentage wise, that fell out to about right. And and uh, the the guy who I'm dealing with with land, he said, you can do better than that. This is a church. Come on now. He said, I'm, I'm helping them out. You need to help them out, son. Well, I guess I could do it for eighty, a hundred thousand. You depend on which size building that they do it in. He said, "No, you don't understand." He said, "This church is—I mean, this church is going to be like a church of a thousand, you know, two thousand people. This its going to be a—they've already got five hundred people, and it's only been like seven months. You want to get in on this?" He said, "I'm giving them land. You need to give them some money or something. You need to get in on this." He said, "I told him you would do it for forty thousand dollars." 150, I told him you'd do it for 40. You know what the architect did? Well, okay, I'll do it for 40. You know why? The favor of God. You know why we have the favor of God? Because the Spirit of God is moving in the church, and it brings that favor. And the Spirit of God wants to move in our lives. And we've got to let down that wall and quit being so closed minded to the things. And, well, that's not what my granddaddy told me. Well, if your granddaddy always tells you exactly everything that's biblical, then that's fine. Your granddaddy probably told you there was a Santa Claus at one time, too. And if there's any kids in here that believe in Santa Claus, close your ears real quick Santa Claus doesn't exist. just because somebody told you something doesn't mean that it's real unless the somebody that told you something was God and then you can bank on that all the time God's word says that the Holy Spirit is real God's word says that Jesus taught that the Holy Spirit is here to walk alongside us to help us and to teach us in all things so we gotta make sure that we're not afraid of the Holy Spirit but we embrace the Holy Spirit and what He wants to do in our lives. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's pray. Father, we just come to You. We just thank You for all that You've done in our lives and in our hearts, God. God, we just ask that, Lord, that You would just give us more and more of Your Spirit, God. and Lord, that You make us more and more like You, God. Lord, we just yield to You. Lord we we don't want to run from you we don't want to run away from you or be afraid of what you're doing but God we, we want you to teach us we want you to guide us we want you to show us right and wrong we want you to make changes in our life if that's you and you just want God to do a work in you you know that there's areas in your life that you need to change I want you just to say that Holy Spirit I yield to you I give you my life move in my life change my life teach me show me what I need to do God, be in Your truth. Help me to do what's right. God, I just thank You, Lord, for what You are going to do in our lives. Lord, we thank you for the favor we have already seen, but God, we thank you that we're going to see it more. And God, I pray that, that daily, just like they saw in the book of Acts, with the Spirit of God moving, God, I pray that we would continue to daily see people added to your church and and, and lives changed and, and people healed and, and people set free and delivered. Father, we just pray that your Spirit would continue to move in a great, mighty way in this church. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody say. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and share. For more content, to connect with us, or if you'd like to support this ministry by giving, visit our website, iHeartChurch.online. We love you and have a great day.